As we welcome back for 2016, our vet, Dr. Robert Stabler. Hello, Dr. Bob. How are you? Not too bad, Dave. How are you? Always good to have you with us. And a good topic today, mental health. That's right. We're just checking up on you, Dave. No, sorry. We're talking about animals' mental health today. Hang on. I'll just lie down. I'll lie down back here. I'll be right. That's that's fine. And Cheryl Shaw is with us. Hello, Cheryl. Nice to have you with us for 2016. Thank you. Looking forward to a lovely year. And your topic, we're having a chat today about car travel. That's right. I just think the um, listeners would need to know a little bit about the awareness of what they need to do. Now, Cheryl, we're having a chat today about uh, car travel. That's right. I just wanted to let everybody know about um, some possible things that can happen if they don't have their dog um, safely mm-hmm. restrained. So from my perspective, um, I've seen quite a few people get um, well, receive a fine yes. for having their dog um, unrestrained. So it's very, very important to restrain your dog in your car. Um, the thing is that if you don't, it can become a distraction to you as a driver. Uh, in an accident, the dog can become a projectile and get thrown around the car, even going through the window or something like that, which would be just so terrible. Um, it's important to make sure that the dog is correctly secured. There's a range of options you can use. You can either just use a little um, small seat belt um, clip that is designed for dog travel or you can use their car harness attached to the, the seat belt of your car or you can pop your dog in a travel crate or if you've got a wagon you can actually have a fitted um, cargo barrier to prevent the dog from um, being able to move around in the car. From my point of view, it is a life lesson that your dog has to learn. It needs to know that it's got to sit quietly and safely in the car um, and that way there's no problem of of causing the owner to get um, distracted when they're driving and to create a problem on the road. Um, It's not only paramount that your dog is secured, but it actually is by law. If you have an unrestrained dog and you get pulled over for it not being restrained, the fine is $338 per dog. And in a um, school zone, it goes to $422 per dog. So it is quite a cost. But the other thing is it actually um, detracts merit points um, from your licence. So you would receive for um, normally three demerit points or if it's in a... um, Double demerit time, obviously, we've got the six points straight off your license. Mm-hmm. That's quite a lot, yeah, isn't it, it is, Dave? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But um, if you really love your dog, please restrain it. And that way, you sit your dog down, buckle it up, and off you go, and things would be really happy, and you will still retain all your license points. Now, Dr. Bob, we also wanted to talk about the dogs that are in, like, the tradies on the back of the ute, you know? Very important that dogs are restrained to the middle of the back of the ute because if they can reach the side, even to get up and puff and pant, and smell everything that's going on for 10 kilometres, they can actually hang themselves. If they can reach the side with their paws, they can flip the rest of their body over if you go round a roundabout or have to stop suddenly, and they can actually hang themselves and the collar off the side. So it's really important to keep them up tight. I really think I should have a brochure or something that I can aeroplane fly, you know, paper plane flight into people's windows because you do see it all the time. And if you care about your animal, if you're looking after it and doing the right thing, then it, I know it's not great for it to be restrained tightly, but it is important for the animal safety and for your safety. As Cheryl said before, you know, dogs running around the car, and you see it all the time at traffic lights, dogs going from one side of the car barking yeah, at yeah. this window yes. to that window. And, it, it, yeah, I can't focus when the radio's on. Oh, sorry, I do have the radio on all the time, of course. And the ruling on uh, dogs in the front of a car. Yes, apparently just in the back seat, uh, very important. And it's the same as children. You know, you want them in a safer place. Yes. So I think, as you said, Cheryl, uh, the 
Uh, airbags can be quite dangerous. That's to, right. Well, they're not designed for small dogs, no. and when they go off, they can actually impact the dog and create, mm. you know, uh, may, maybe Injuries, death. Yeah, neck, yeah. Head, so it's yeah. quite quite a worry. The other thing that's a concern too is um, some dogs poking their head out the window. I mean, they love it. They love that airflow yeah. on their face. But the problem is that there's lots of particles of dirt and dust in the atmosphere, and that can get into the dog's eyes. We see a lot of eye injuries in horses for the same thing. Hence, why floats have changed in the shape that they are these days. So the same with dogs. You can see eye injuries from them sticking their head out. And they do love it. And there's some, I shouldn't really say it, but here on YouTube, there's some great dogs sticking their head out the window and the, the big lips of the bloodhound or whatever flapping in the breeze. But And they, they're picking up on all those smells. But it's yes. you can they can do that just even with the window down, just, yeah, 50 millimetres or something. And that, you know, really important. And the same with hot um, the hot weather that we've had. Don't leave your dog in a hot car. The temperature just rises so quickly and it's just so important to, to look after um, your animal as you would yourself. So, yeah. Actually, on that, um, Dr Bob, there's a really big find for that. If your dog does suffer um, in the car from heat stroke, you can actually be fined $5,500. And um, if it dies, and also you can go to jail for six months. And if it does die, it's 22500 and it's a two-year jail term. Is that on under POCTA, Prevention of Cruelty to Animals? Yes, or is it... yes um, and enforced by the RSPCA. Yes, that's yes. right. There yes. we have an, an advertising campaign. Yes, yes. Our topic today is mental health in our animals. Very important. I think it's uh, important we look after their physical health, we take them for a walk and play, but the mental health is sometimes forgotten. So as we're just talking about car travel... Some animals don't like getting in the car and they sort of just sit there and freeze or go down to the footwell and stay there for the whole journey. Others are really happy. They want to um, see what's going on. So the more we spend time with our animal, the more we understand them. So that special time, relationship time, we need to see how it's coping with the telly, the the stereo, the um, what's happening when the kids come over, those sorts of things, the more we see and watch them and watch their body language, the more we can understand how they're actually coping in the situation. Some will go to ground, they'll go and hide in their bunker and, and hope the visitors go home soon. Cats love to do that, um, usually up in the top of your wardrobe, all over their best jumper. But the, the, if, yeah, if they're sort of happy, they'll come and bounce around, but then they'll move away and sit down. It also, they will know the people that come. They will know the nice visitors. They will know the not-so-nice visitors. And you have to be prepared for what they might do um, if they don't like someone. So if you know they're a bit sus about tall men, then put them on lead, keep them away from that situation. Don't let them practice a problem. The more we understand about their mental health, their physical health and, and what they need to keep them happy and doing the right thing, then the better quality of life we can give them and their well-being is, is much improved. So play, like us, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So you've got to have more leisure time. My psychiatrist told me that yesterday, actually. Yeah, must be. No, sorry. So um, what was I talking about? Now, I think it's interesting because, <laughs> as you suggest there, just like humans, we all have different personalities. Our dogs, our animals have different personalities too. As you say, some of them might enjoy going for a drive in the car with you. Some of them love going for a swim. Others, uh, they don't. I'm not interested in going in the water. No. I, I said that to a couple of husky owners last year. I said, huskies aren't really into water. And they both said, oh, no, ours love it. Gets out on the surfboard. And so from very young, they were used to water. So, 
and the things that we do, the animal wants to do with us. So it's just really important to spend that time um, and hobbies. So we have particular hobbies. Dogs have particular toys they like. So if you're buying lots of rope toys and they're not using them, there's a reason for that. So maybe try some soft toys or some harder plastic ones or ones that go poop or whatever. It's, you know, it's all sorts of different things that they like. Squeaky toys, they'll always try and take out the squeaker. Um, I think that's a joy thing rather than mm. trying to stop the noise because they get all upset when it doesn't squeak anymore. Now, we've got a question here for you uh, on dog's arthritis yes. and the use of glucosamine. Glucosamine's quite good. Can you there use are it? a number of different products available that have glucosamine or fish oil, omega 3s, um, krill oil. So, whatever seems to be working, there are a, good, a few uh, good um, pet, specifically to pet products. Um, my favourite is fish oil. So, it really helps my brain. And apparently, it's good for the brain, the, the heart, the legs, and the skin. So, I've got a nice, um, you know, shiny coat. And yeah. So arthritis, really important. I've seen quite a, a number of older animals in the last couple of months with all the heat, and you'd think it'd be worse than the cold, but it's just that the pain affects them all year round. Because the body's trying to cope with the heat, the arthritis becomes worse. So we can do a lot of other things to help with arthritis, palliative care, anti-inflammatories, pain relief, um, injections that help to reduce the, uh, increase the cartilage um, growth and, and repair. So there's quite a lot can be done, so don't let your dog suffer. And joining us right now from Pelton is Sandy for you, Dr. Bob. Sandy, how can we help you? Oh, hi, Bob. How are you? Good. Um, I have a cattle dog. He, I've had him since four weeks old. His parents were actually shot and left in the bush. Yep. Um, he suffers, so, and he still suckles. Yep. He's 21 months old, and he has separation anxiety, something terrible from me. Yep. I have to take him everywhere in the car, everywhere I go. It takes a long time. There certainly can be some post-traumatic stress related to the, the parents and being found in the bush, as you said. So suckling mm -hmm. happens sometimes if they're taken away a bit early or it can be just their specific personality. So same as children. Um, yeah, their favourite blanket, their favourite toy accompanies them, you know, from two to five uh, and then they sort of are able to go on without it but some animals they need those familiar things um, mental health really important that we love routines we like to know what's happening we like predictability and so with him when you're starting to get ready to go out he's already winding himself up he's, he knows yeah yeah he knows whether you're going out for the, to the shops or going yeah. to work so important to, in the textbooks it talks about, you know, trying to wear different clothes and stuff, but that's a waste of time. They're reading our body language and our body chemistry. They know before we get up in the morning, really, what's yeah. happening in the day. So nice, calm, slow, gentle, massage-like strokes to help him to relax when you're settled. I do that. I do that. He's yep. spoiled. He sits on my bed and I pat him. And Good. And the more... He doesn't like being away from me. He's very protective. He'll even bail my kids up if they come in near my bedroom door. Yeah, that's not good. So it's... He doesn't it, go them. He'll just... Stand between. Uh, as soon as he sees them, it's like, oh, it's you. Yeah, no, that's not really acceptable. He, if he's doing that, he needs to be apart from you a bit more if possible because he will bite them if they are coming in, especially in a dark room at night or something. So that's a bit dicey. Um, but, yeah, it's important that 
you try and reinforce good behaviour. So the more calm you are, the more calm he will be. Um, but you can't let him do the wrong thing. So he should be on the floor, he should be on lead, away, and especially kids if they're um, mm -hmm. a bit younger. Children are more likely bitten on the face by a dog they know in their own house or yard, especially kids under 10. Interesting one, that, because there was a story in the new year, and it was a sad story, too, about uh, an attack from a dog on a little girl and bit almost all her nose off. Yeah. And when you went into the story and found out, the owners would say, the dog loves the kid, the dog was yeah. great, they always get on so well together, but the dog had food in its dish when the little girl came nearby. Plus, it was a very large dog, and so it was much higher. Mm. So dogs really should be floor animals. They should be on the on the on a special blanket on the floor, always watching children. The big thing about kids is they're unpredictable. You Tell us about the mentality to... of the dog, but when it's feeding time. Oh, food is, is something that is quite a strong, it's a high-valued resource, um, bones more than dry food. Um, Would the and... dog have thought, oh, the little girl's going to try and take my food away from me? Oh, no it, it, no, it just would have been. The dog is just sort of protective, but I did see just a, a little bit of footage of that one on the news and... That dog had some reactivity problems. It was going to do something. It also, just in the, the uh, video clip that I saw, it actually put its paw up on the owner, on, on the person's face. So there is little signs that. that we should be looking for, and yes. you, you picked up on one there that Sandy was talking about. Yeah, just any, any child should have the... It, it, yeah, we should be able to walk. Children come first, dogs come second. All right, we've got another call, 49216216. Steve joins us now from Barnsley. G'day. Steve, how can I help you? Man, uh, I'd just like to mention something I learnt a long time ago. I, I have trained dogs in obedience and also in showing dogs. Yep. The reason um, I never let my dogs put their head out the window, I, I, I read up on a lot of things, yep. is the fact that they can't blink anywhere as quick as we can. Okay. Um, therefore... If something's flying at their eyes and they can see it, they still can't blink fast enough to protect their eyes. That's an interesting one. They also have a third eyelid, which you'd think would be automatically would come up to protect. So I'll have to have a look at that one, Steve. Thank you for not, that. Not so much uh, um, like uh, in warmer weather. In yep. the colder weather, I, I predominantly had your working type dog yep. breeds. Um, and also... My collies would get slightly weepy eyes. Yes. They loved yeah. to face into the wind. Yeah. But they, I would watch them. Yep. Once I read that and... Um, you can see them not blink as often. They, they can't blink as fast as we can. Isn't that interesting? So that's that's a, a, a thing where if people understand that, that's therefore you don't let them stick their head out the window. That's right. And the same in the wind. You see all the animals sticking their backside to the wind rather than sticking their head to the wind. But when they are sticking their nose towards the wind, it's that the wind has something very interesting in it. And they can smell things from so many miles away, especially the working dog types. Very, very fascinated with what's going on all around them. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Michelle, what can we do for you today? help me. I have an 18-month-old Pomeranian girl. Yep. Now, we have a great deal of trouble with her urinating everywhere in the house. Even though she's pretty well house-trained, she knows she has to go outside. She seems to... I don't know whether it's marking her territory. We have three cats, which she bullies, 
and we've got pools of piddle everywhere around the place. She's piddling on mats. You know, sooner clean them, and she's back there doing it again. And we're at our wits' end with it. She's been desexed, Michelle. Yes, she has. When she was six months old. Good. And um, the other the cats are boys or girls? Girls, and they're all desexed. Yep. Um, yeah. It's going to be a competition sort of thing. It's also going to be a degree of laziness. Are you on? Are you on two levels, two stories, or? They are two stories. Yes. Um, so partly it's that a little dog going downstairs is also a bit hard on the poor old back and the legs. So a degree of laziness, but being a pom, it's also just yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't be bothered, really. So oh. very important to go back to basic toilet training. So take her out after she eats, when she wakes, when she drinks, when she plays. And if she hasn't been for two hours, take her out, especially onto grass. If there's no grass, it's a bit more difficult. Get some artificial turf um, because they prefer to urinate on that. The other alternative is to actually teach her to go into the litter trays as the cats are using if they're inside cats. All right, well, she's got her own pet park, which she'll use at night. But yep. it's, the most problem is she'll come down and just piddle on our mats. And, and it actually it smells. Yep. And, you know, we've got a caddy door and everything, which she's quite capable of getting out of. But she's a real indoorsy girl. Yeah. She does not want to go outside. And you've really got to shovel her out to get her outside to go to the toilet. Yeah, and it's just she's. It's also in the heat too, with all the fur on them. They do get very hot, so they prefer the inside. I'd, um, yeah, just if she's doing it more through the day, it's going to be just partly a bit of laziness and partly a bit of attitude competition with the other cats. So, um, it, yeah, I'd just go back to very basic toilet training. The other thing I would do is get a medical checkup to make sure there's no bladder stones or cystitis that might be causing her to urinate more often if it is a bit more smelly than it should be. Now, here at 2 in your FM, Kev Kellaway, who does our drive show, was telling me yesterday about his male cat, just had him desexed. He said he's fine, he still likes to hang out with the other toms, but just as a consultant. <laughs> Keep them inside, 100%. Hello, Alison. Alison's with us from Adamstown. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? How, good, Alison. How can I help you today? Um, I have a um, defect male ginger uh, tabby cat that I've had from a rescue kitten, and he's 16. Yep. Um, he's been an inside cat all of his life. Good. Um, and just recently, um, I've just noticed him doing some really strange, odd behavioural things. Like, I'll wake up in the morning and... He might be laying on the kitchen counter um, or this morning I woke up and he was laying in a glass fruit bowl <laughs> yep. and I just thought, you know, perhaps would this be the onset of maybe dementia or... Um, Most yeah. likely he's been showing other signs uh, as well if you look back, but as their brain shrinks and we think with animals and people when they're in that sort of age it, it starts happening in cats around 10 the brain actually starts to reduce in size and so the connections aren't there they will get lost sometimes they will just go into a room and start yowling they don't yeah, know where he they does are that. yeah he yeah. does make strange noises and yeah. yeah and he um sometimes if he eats too fast he'll throw up and then yep. He'll come back and sit by his bowl like, you know, he's he wants still hungry. more. Yeah, just, mm. and, and they sometimes forget that they have eaten. So it is very important in older animals to use a senior diet, right. a special food. There is also specific um, 
brain diet for cats in some uh, brands that will help with the dementia. You can get some medication to help with it. Good to get a good physical checkup to make sure that everything else is functioning okay, especially arthritis, yeah. which he will have at 16. Misspent youth jumping over things, the lounge and stuff when he was younger. Very important <laughs> yes, to try. Yes, i had a couple of lounges. Yeah, scratched, <laughs> yeah. Keep him, keep him active as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Don't move the food bowl too much, but just put food in other spots for him to look at and find. And lots of gentle stroking. The sleep changes are part of dementia. So same as in people, they will sundowner. So they actually tend to nap more in the afternoon. And waking up with him in the the fruit bowl, um, either curled around the mangoes or whatever is, yeah, just that he's partly feeling he wants security or he really likes mangoes or that's just where he found himself. Yeah, so and uh, yeah, with the um, he does sleep quite a lot during the afternoon, and then at the night time when we're all ready to sleep, he he pays us all a little visit and wants to sit in the windowsill and yep. yeah. So his body clock's a bit off. So it's the same as Dave. Yeah, you know when we huh? leave. Oh, oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we've got to keep an eye on him. Who knows what he does in the afternoons? Yeah, it's normally around about twelve. I have a nap. So that's uh, right. Very important. You're keeping me awake at the moment. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Nana naps are very good for us. From Bonnells Bay. Hello, Sylvia. How are you? I'm very well this afternoon. How are you? Good, thanks, Sylvia. What can we do for you? I have a cat. Um, He's aged between 13 and 17. We're not sure. I've had him for eight and a half years. Yep. He suffers from what I call sneezles. Yep. And he'll sneeze and sneeze and sneeze. He gets very bad fits of him. I've had him to various vets and they can't find out what's wrong. And... After eating or drinking or no, just sleeping? It, no. It, oh, it can, he'll wake up when he's asleep and sneeze. He can, it'll happen when he's walking or playing or anything. It could, there's nothing that I can find that triggered us off. He's an inside cat. Okay. So it may be if in that first eight years he's had either a cat flu or an infection or a virus that has left him with a residual damage to the lining of the nose. And so when he's asleep, um, sometimes as he's getting older, the heart may not function properly. There might be some pulmonary edema, which means the fluid accumulates in the lungs. That then sneaks up the trachea and tickles the nose. Um, When he's walking around, the same thing when he's aroused. Same thing as when I walked into the... um, the, the food court in the in the cruise I was on recently. Yeah, I started to drool, but it, it just means that that there's well, some irritation there. The worst one attack was thirty seven times. I counted it. Oh, really? So yeah. there there will be, and partly because of his age, there will be some neurological damage associated no, he's had with it that. Since I've had him. Yeah, yeah. So it's just that there's been some sort of an anatomical change that means that he can't actually. Um, control or settle that sneeze or the cilia in the nose or the windpipe don't actually work properly and things might accumulate there. Um, You can put them on low-dose antihistamines, but I'd certainly get a vet check to make sure he's okay before you do that. All right, let's continue with your calls here for Pet Chat. I think Anne's with us. Is it Anne? Hello? Hello. How are you? How can we help you? I have an 11-year-old domestic short-haired cat and um, she's lived at the current house for 11 years and we're moving. Oh. I want to know, what do I do? It is going to be difficult. They are very routine animals. They like to know what's happening. Ideally, it would be good. Has she been boarded before? No. 
So, no. Okay, so you need to probably, when you're getting all the moving things set up, is to, on the day or so of move, I would contain her to a crate or bathroom, make sure no one opens that door while everything else is moved out. And then when you get to the new place, make sure you actually put, the, uh, put her into a, a locked area. Uh, in some animals, if they've been used to boarding, board them for two days prior to moving and for two days after the move so that they go home to a settled place. Um, if she's been inside all her life, that's good. Make sure you keep the screens, self-closers on the screens and doors. Um, once they have all of the familiar furniture and the familiar routine, then she should settle in quite well. Make sure there's multiple litter trays, scratching posts, food and toys so that she's okay. There is hormones you can try, sprays that will help to settle her. You can get travelling tablets, but the problem is that they can sometimes make them too dopey. Um, so it is going to be a stressor. She does know that you're moving already, so she will be a little bit more distressed. So just keep a close watch on her from a health point of view. So, All right. The other problem is that um, she doesn't like being inside, so during the daytime she's out. Oh, so okay. a friend suggested maybe I should get a bird aviary. Yeah, you need to keep her inside. Otherwise, when she goes to the new place, she's going to try and get back to the the old residence. They have a very strong GPS homing signal, and they will try and do that. So you need to try and adjust her habits to being inside so that she's not actually got the potential to run away and misadventure on the way. You're listening to Dr Bob, Dr Robert Stable, our vet today here for Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw is also with us and we just need to reiterate something. We spoke earlier in our program today about car travel. Now David's taken a call at the front desk. They haven't gone to air but they say this. They This listener has information from RMS and Belmont Police that dogs in cars do not have to be restrained. I'm telling you that is not true. Whoever said that, that is not true. Anyone listening? And can you go over that again for yeah, us, please, Cheryl? They, did they pass, must be restrained. Yeah, they passed legislation. I, uh, I think it was July well, two years ago, so it, it, it actually was um, legislated. Yeah, very important to look after your animals. And really, when you think about it, restrain your animal in the car. The, a child in your arms weighs as much as a fridge when you're travelling at 40 kilometres an hour. So I'd be very shocked not... to think that RMS and, and a Belmont yeah. Police Station no. would give that, a, no. that, that why, advice. That's not why true. Why would you not restrain your animal? It's a, a loved family member. You need to look after it. You need to care about it. And it's the same. You look yeah. after animals and other people the way you look after yourself. That's right. We are almost out of time. Thank you for your first one for this year. Cheryl, you'll be Thank back you. in two weeks' time. Yes, yes. I think we've got the best vet yet, I like to call her, Dr. Kimberly Earle this next is week. lovely. Best I love vet Kimberly. Yet. <laughs> that is our pet chat. Thank you, you too. Okay. Another great day. And thank you for all our callers for being part of the program. We really treasure that. That is great that you're a part of our program with us.